welcome to the Good Hard Story Podcast, where we believe that the good story and the hard story can be the exact same story. I'm Katherine Wolf, and I'm a stroke survivor, a speaker, an author, and co-founder of Hope Heals. Tune in here every week for conversations about wholeheartedly living in a good hard story. Join me in this joyful rebellion to the darkness where we discover the treasures hidden in our hurting. Well, hello, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of the Good Hard Story podcast. It is just crazy cool that I am going to have a conversation with Max Lucado right now. I'm geeking out. This is pretty nuts. Um, You may know of Max Lucado. He's like a really, really big deal. Um, And making Jesus a really big deal even more than um, anything else. I know your heart. He um, was dubbed by Christianity Today as America's pastor. So I think you are that. And actually, I read that one in seven Americans have read a Max Lucado book, which is pretty astounding. I mean, wow, that's unbelievable. What a, what a gift you are to the world and to America and to anyone and everyone who hears your words, reads your words, um, interacts with you. So thank you for being here. Oh, you are so, so kind. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It's a great treat to talk to you. Oh, it's, it's a blessing for me. And um, first off, I want to tell you, I deeply admire you, especially how you have such kindness and compassion where I'm afraid perhaps the temptation in in many pastors over time is to really double down almost with anger. And um, you are so clearly doing the opposite, and it is glorious. I am um, pretty aware of church culture dynamics, and there's just such health and just freedom to ask hard questions and use our brains and really just radically walk with Jesus in complex territory. And you do that so well. I'm very, um, very inspired. Well, I, I appreciate you saying that. I, I don't know if I, I don't think I deserve such kind words, but you are very, very kind to to say them. And um, yeah, I've, I have been at this quite a while. I, I was ordained as a pastor in 1978. And so that's a little before Noah. Right. <laughs> no, no. Uh, and I've been privileged. The first church I was at it was in St. Louis, Missouri. And that was more of a pastoral internship program. And then I ended up in Miami, Florida for uh, a short time, for about three years. That's where my wife and I got married. And then we moved to Brazil. And I thought I would spend my whole life in Rio de Janeiro, Brazil. And I love Rio and I love the people. Um, that's where I began writing books was Whoa. when I was in Rio. 
and uh, the books seemed to take traction or get traction. And so it made a lot more sense for me to, to um, uh, come back to the States where I could be involved in the, in the marketing of the books, the, the publication of the books. And so a, a church in San Antonio, Texas allowed me to, to take a shot. I was 33 years old and I'd never been a senior pastor. And uh, Oak Hills Church uh, was looking for a pastor and the church was about three or 400 members. So it was already a healthy church and had a wonderful heritage. And um, and I came here then, and it's it's really been a delight. I'm still and here. And you stayed, yeah, you stayed. Yeah, yeah they, they keep trying to kick me out, but I do have a role now. I'm a what we call a teaching pastor, so that means I don't I'll head up the staff anymore. Yes, I don't yes. raise money anymore, and at that part I'm happy to to relinquish. Right, but I still, I still preach about twenty times a year. Well, uh, so I'm pretty I, active. You are very active. My goodness. Listen, Max, I would love to talk to you about your new book, God Never Gives Up on You. Oh, I love that title. God Never Gives Up on You, what Jacob's story teaches us about grace, mercy, and God's relentless love. What a beautiful title, and I cannot wait to read this book. This is oh. Yeah, super, super important. I have so many thoughts and so many questions about um, the life of Jacob. I'm so struck <laughs> that um, you wrote about wrote about him. I love it. it um, you know, one thing— Is there a reason you're struck? Oh, yeah. I mean, let's see, dysfunctional family. Um, yeah, a lot of, like, problems. <laughs> a lot of turning from the Lord. Um yeah, just a lot of um, complicated life stuff. And yeah, he was complicated. And God never let him go. And what a beautiful picture of what um, we all do, if we're honest, and how God runs after us and never gives up. And um, God, I think first, the dysfunctional family stuff really is fascinating to me. And um I would love to hear you share about what um, what hope yeah. that gives to each of us in our own stories with our family members that maybe are causing some some hard times in our own lives. Well, when a person hears about Jacob and they are told that's that's the grandson of Abraham, and they hear the phrase Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, those, that trilogy, those three names are used quite often. I think the casual observer might think, okay, that's probably some super saint. Mm -hmm. uh, he, yeah. was a, he was probably a great man of God, like like Moses or, or the Apostle Paul. And then you read the story of Jacob and you realize nothing could be further from the truth. And that's what yeah. fascinates us about, mm. about Jacob's life. Yes. Um, just, just for those who might need a, a quick summary, Please. he was the grandson of Abraham. He was the son of Isaac. He was the second born of a set of twins. He came out of the womb holding his brother's heel. And uh, there's a play on words with the name Jacob, heel holder, the one who holds the heel. And it, it's a colloquial expression that, that can mean cheat or swindle. Or it's not positive. And so he was called a hustler. He was a hustler from the get-go. He was trying to pull his brother back so he could move forward. 
And that pretty well defines his life. He was always manipulating, controlling, cutting corners, doing whatever he could to get ahead in life. His mother, Rebecca, facilitated this. She's the one who convinced him to uh, get her, convinced him to convince his big brother, Esau, to sell that birthright for a bowl of stew. And then as the story goes, he pretended to be Esau and convinced his father and received the blessing. And when Esau found out about that, that inaugurated a lifetime of running. And so Jacob had to run yes. from angry Esau, ended up in Laban, where he fell in love with one woman, thought he was marrying her, actually married her sister, which is a great story. Mm -hmm. And then uh, spent 20 years in all in Mesopotamia, uh, paying off the, the work dowry that he had created for his two wives, and then he had two handmaidens, and through them he had 12 kids, and it was just a bizarre thing, yeah. a bizarre story from start to finish, and he, mm. there, there are a couple of redeeming moments in Jacob's life, but okay. that's about it, Yeah, it's about yeah. it, between these couple of two or three redeeming moments, there's moments in which he was uh, arguing with God, doubting God, negotiating with God, denying God, slaughtering people, even though he was a man of God. So he's he's not your poster child right. for godly. Yeah, yeah. So the bottom, the last thing I say always is, well, the hero then of Jacob's story is not, is not Jacob. Right. But the hero is God. Yes. The hero. Oh, absolutely. I would love for you to share about what does Jacob's life tell us about God's character? Yeah. Well, I, I think I think I would answer that question by taking people to a seldom discussed chapter in the Bible because uh, it's so terrible uh, toward the end of his life, or at least toward the end of what it, the, the Jacob story really only occupies about 20 years of uh, in the Bible. Uh, his life was far longer but the, the Bible is concerned with 20 years. And toward the end of those 20 years, he finally makes his way back to Bethel. And he stops outside of a village called Shechem. And by now he has a, he has a large group of Bedouins traveling with him. He has camels, he has sheep, he has goats, he has servants, he has maidservants. So it's a big group. And there's a, there's a village that archeologists have unearthed called Shechem. And it probably housed about 2,500 people. And it was a little more sophisticated than these Bedouins were accustomed to. So rather than keep going to Bethel, as they were told to do, uh, they stopped at Shechem. And while they were in Shechem, the uh, the son of the king raped, violated the only daughter that that, that Jacob had. Her name oh. was Dinah. Oh. But rather than protect her, rather than defend her, Jacob did nothing. But when the brothers of Dinah heard what happened, they went Rambo on the village. And it was a bloodbath. And so you read these stories in the Bible, Catherine, you say, what in the world? Why, why is this in the Bible? It's a picture of a toxic culture. Mm. It's a toxic culture mm. where might and strength are elevated over kindness and honesty. Mm. And so there's a side point there that, that can be made. But what this teaches us is that Jacob had, had, turned the volume down on God. He had, he had just pressed the mute button. He wasn't listening to God. When he saw the chaos that happened, he finally pulled up stakes and began the returning to Bethel. 
the minute he gets to Bethel, the minute he obeys God, the minute he gets home, we begin reading God spoke to Jacob. God spoke to Jacob. God spoke to Jacob. He's not mentioned at all. God's not mentioned in the chapter that talks about Shechem. But the next chapter that talks about God, about Jacob coming home, I count at least 15 times that God's name appears. So to answer your question, yeah. what does Jacob teach us about God? He never gives up on us. He right. never does. Now, Jacob blew it. I think Jacob knew he blew it. But God was waiting on him when Jacob returned to God. And he's waiting for us as well. Amen. I, I completely agree with that. I would love to hear you share about how in Jacob's life, we see him have to come face to face with the past in order to move forward. And why is that? So to get back home after he's been in Mesopotamia for about 20 years, to get back home to Bethel, he has to pass through the territory that was occupied by Esau, the brother that he swindled. By this point, Esau is a baron of sorts. He has hundreds of soldiers. He has a lot of territory. And Jacob doesn't know if Esau is going to want to hug him or strangle him. He, he just doesn't know. Mm -hmm. But he has, in order to get back home, he has to come to grips with his past. He has to face Esau. And, um, and so finally he does. And it's an elaborate story of him sending out his uh, hundreds of livestock, hundreds of, of gifts, hundreds of uh, even servants to, to make amends. But as it turned out, he didn't need to do that because God had gone ahead of him and softened the heart of Esau and the two brothers reconciled. You know, as a, as a person of faith who has a very sinful past and a uh, pastor of people, I find that dealing with our past is essential in order to move into the future. Because our past, it's it's unless unless we've allowed God to to speak over it and to bring words of grace into it, unless we've sensed that freedom from it, we'll drag that past with us everywhere we go. We'll suppress it or we'll try to ignore it or we'll try to justify it. We spend a lot of time uh, unable to move into the future because we've not adequately dealt with our past. Oh, gosh. I could so that's what Jacob had to do. Mm -hmm. and, and finally, he did. What What is that um, adage? I always love that. What is not, I forget what it is. So basically, what is not healed and what is not reckoned with is passed on, that you're going to carry on. You know, I, I know you have talked about specifically Jacob. Um, being in a poisoned system and having to reckon with that, to use a Texas expression, um, <laughs> in, in order to to get on with his story, to heal and move forward. And I um I see that so much with so many sweet friends and and family that there there has to be sort of a recognition of this is toxic this is a poison system and i think that's a good word a poison system can be a, a, a extended family it can be a work environment uh tragically it can be a church 
in, in a certain degree, it can be a society, it can mm. be a government, it can be a, but, but a, a toxic system is where uh, might is rewarded and the marginalized are neglected. Yes. And um, yes. when you're in that kind of system, uh, it's hard to fix it. Mm-hmm. It's hard mm-hmm. to fix it. Uh, Jacob had to leave it. I think he was in a toxic system when he was when he was in the uh, household of his father-in-law Laban, who was a who was a dishonest man, and when he was in the vicinity of Shechem. And in both cases, he finally came down to he just had to get out. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of questions a person could ask, and those are the kind of questions that would take another episode to discuss. But uh, at some point, at some point, there there is a time when you have to seriously consider saying, okay, it's time for me to leave. Right. It's time for me to leave. Especially if you sense that you are being uh, dragged down to the level of the Laban or to the level of the Shechem. If you yourself are behaving, starting to display behavior that you yourself know you despise, then it's time for you to get out because that bad apple is turning you into one. That's that's a good word, and that that is key. I agree. You know, Max, much of my days and our ministry is really um, just reaching into the population of people living with disabilities and just so many hurting, marginalized um, people who have no access to a world that feels very unmade for them. Um, can't get through the door of a building, much less have representation in that room and really a, a deeply marginalized um, population. So I want you to repeat what you just said, because I think that's so fascinating, is that poison systems are one where might is rewarded. And then what did you say after that? Mind is rewarded and kindness is neglected. Yeah. Rather than kindness be a virtue, which it should be, mm-hmm. kindness is looked down upon as a sign of weakness. Right. Kindness uh, and, and might, weakness. Authority, yes. demanding rights. Uh, that that's that's a characteristic of a toxic toxic environment. Absolutely. And uh, it's a, it's it's they they pop up. It's the opposite of the heart of God. A hundred percent. Yeah. I would love to hear you share why it is you think that God gave Jacob a second chance and how do we know God will do the same for us? God had made a covenant with Jacob. And and God, when, when we make promises, we do our best to keep them. When God makes a promise, it is as good as done. Yeah. Because he knows the end from the beginning. And so his promises are really decrees. Our promises are desires, Mm -hmm. but his is a decree. And he had made a promise to Abraham, a covenant. I like the word covenant. He had made a covenant with Abraham that through his seed, all the world would be blessed. And God already knew that the grandson of Abraham was going to be a handful, but he never retracted that covenant. And I'm so grateful because if God doesn't keep his covenant with Israel, uh, then how do I know God will keep his covenant with me? So God has made a covenant. And so in midst of that covenant, that's his commitment to um, to use people who are very difficult or, or 
are not easy to use. You, you know, Catherine, I was a drunk before I was a Christian. Uh, and there have been times, even as an adult, that I've battled with that temptation yet again. And I, I have to always be on my toes, always be on my toes. And when I stumble, my response always is, God, why would you use someone like me? Why would you? And uh, the, the scripture that I really treasure, we have this treasure in earthen vessels right. so that the glory belongs to God and not to us. Mm. We are broken vessels. God uses broken vessels. I love that. And he truth. does great things through the greatly broken. Mm. He does great things through the greatly broken. So rather than pretend that we're not, right. let's be quite candid that we are. And let's let's let God use us, and 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 that way He gets the glory, He gets the honor, He gets the credit. Absolutely, I love the next scripture right after that Second Corinthians four passage that we are hard pressed but not crushed, perplexed but not in despair, persecuted but not abandoned, and it goes on and on. And I love it that it starts with we're broken and we need to know that. At the same time, we also will be hard-pressed that life is tough as well. We make bad decisions, and life can be very hard. And I would love for you to share that why is it that God wants to bless me if I've really messed up my life or if my life feels really, really complicated and messed up? Why is it that God wants to bless me? Hmm. Well, I think it's the covenant thing again, Catherine. You know, he's just made a covenant. He, I, 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 as I get older, I am just so fascinated with what's next. You know, with I'm 68 years old. Um, that means I've got a lot more sand on the bottom of that half of the hourglass than the top. <laughs> and that means that I'm, I'm, I'm within uh, a rock's throw, a short nine iron of, of of passing from this life to the next. And I catch myself getting so excited, mm. just so genuinely excited mm. about his covenant, about his promise. And I know there's a lot of discussion about end times and I love discussing end times. Right. I don't like people who are opinionated and dogmatic about it, but I love everybody's ideas. And none of us have cracked the code on it, but all of us are, should be excited about it. And we fix our eyes not on things that are, but are on things that are to come. Mm -hmm. And so I, th I think the reason that, that we can believe that uh, God can use somebody like us is that he has never abandoned his original Garden of Eden plan. Mm -hmm. He never has. He will have his paradise. He will have his garden. And he will have his family mm -hmm. in perfect bodies, in a perfect world, serving him in a perfect relationship both with God and with one another. That's our plan. That's our, that's our promise. And uh, so he, the, the reason that he uses people like us is just because he said, I will, I will. And so it doesn't have anything to do with us. It has everything to do with him. I love that. And what a beautiful perspective that you have more sand in the bottom than the top. Uh, <laughs> and, and yeah, there is such beautiful things to be gleaned from a seasoned mm. person in this world. It's a tragedy yeah. that people are, are thrown away when they become truly seasoned. And yeah. 
the insights you are providing even right now are um, just beautiful reminders that the, the Lord instills a deep wisdom in years of walking with Him on earth. And all us younger folks are better for it, and we should tune into it because you're giving deep golden nuggets of truth and um i i really like getting old i really do i love hearing that you know yeah i'm 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 excited about it and it does come with a few aches and pains and i'm not quite the spunky as i used to be Uh, that's okay Uh, but that's okay i'm I, i i i'm really close to closing my eyes one final time and opening my eyes for the very first time on wow. my true reality. Oh, what so could be beautiful. more exciting? Now, I do I do have a lot of friends my age who do not share that belief. Right. And I'm watching them get bitter. Right. I'm watching them get bitter. Right. You know, oh, yeah. the best of life has passed them by. They spend a lot of time reminiscing, regretting. They're getting kind of sour. And mm-hmm. uh, I, I pray that I can be a good influence on them. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I, I don't want to get old like that. I want to get more and more excited. I want you, you Jacob did mess up a lot. Okay. Yes. Yes. But when the Hebrew writer described Jacob's final days, he said, uh, Hebrew, uh, I'm sorry, Jacob died holding his staff, worshiping, hmm. holding hmm. his staff, worshiping. And we not even touched on the limp. You know, he walked most of his life with the limp. So oh. he had a staff. Oh yeah, and, I know. And, and yet he was a worshiper. He was a worshiper. And and I want to. I'd like to do that. I, I just just die worshiping. Mm. That's a really powerful thought, Max. We've never met in person, so you may or may not know that I also walk with a pretty significant limp. I'm a wheelchair user and can get around with a cane or a walker, and so that uniquely ministers to me. And I want to go out um, with my walker in my wheelchair, praising the Lord as well. And I think that's really beautiful. You know, they say that everyone on earth is really temporarily able-bodied. That if you live long enough, you are very likely to become a person living with disabilities to some degree. And I've thought so much about how aging can, in fact, render us disabled, that we will end up many times with disabilities of all different kinds, and what that does to our soul, the bitterness that can ensue. I've gotten a taste of that at 26, having the massive stroke left me um, more like an 86-year-old, to be honest, than a 26-year-old. So I have um, thankfully really been able to keep bitterness at bay. And um, I think you're so right that it creeps in as you age. There can be a bitterness instead of a recognition of the goodness of God that you're on earth and that you live through whatever you're going through or you live to be a rifled age. And I, um, I'm very struck that the opposite of bitterness has got to be um, just recognizing the blessing that is all around us and to be here in this moment. And um, 
I am struck that you were so beautifully using the time God has given you on earth. I believe if you have a pulse, you have a purpose, that God has you on earth for a reason. And that seems almost funny to say to Max Lucado, yeah, yeah, you got you got a purpose to be here. You're um, one in seven Americans have read your books. Um, but what a gift. And what a gift to know 68-year-old Max Lucado and have um, my inner story, my, my story, and so many of our listeners' stories intersect yours in this moment. That's very special. And I know this conversation will deeply, deeply minister to so many. Max, we, we like to ask on this podcast, um, two questions. It's called the Good Hard Story Podcast because we believe that the good story and the hard story can be the very same story. So we like to ask, what is good in your story? What is hard in your story? And how do you live well in the tension of both? And that's actually three questions, as I'm saying it out loud. <laughs> so sorry, that's a three-pronged question at the end. Well, um, I think I answered the first part. Mm. The good in my story is a genuine excitement about what's next, a fascination with mm. it. I can't quit thinking about it. It's a healthy obsession. It's a healthy obsession. Yeah. Many people, when they get old, uh, take up gardening or bridge or golf. I take up Armageddon, Antichrist, Millennium, No Millennium. I'm just fascinated by, uh, uh, I've got a stack of books and I'll have to take them to heaven. I'll never get them all read. <laughs> uh, and I've got good friends that I interact with on this topic, not as, not as uh, you know, polemic or divisive, but really testing, questioning working with one another, trying to help understand. And I think I will do some teaching uh, on this because it is a fascination, especially in the world in, in which we live. I love that so much. I don't want yeah. to interrupt you, but I'll give you a second um, to think of the hard um, and tell you that I went through a total obsession. I hope it was healthy after I nearly died with... Yeah with what is to come. I read Johnny yeah. Erickson Hodges' book on heaven and really anything I could get my hands on about heaven and yeah. just became infatuated with, I guess, I guess it probably was what could have been. Like I could have been yeah. in heaven. Um, Absolutely. And then as you age, it, it's a matter of science. It's a matter of numbers and yeah. it probably gets even more real. So I, I understand to a degree. Yeah, heaven is the the green vegetable on the spiritual diet for mm. the Christian. Mm. It's it's necessary. It's good. We don't need to be dreading. I'm not. I, to be quite honest, I, I don't think I dread dying because I know it's just going to be a necessary step. But you know, I, I I may say something different in my last few moments, but we'll see. You know. Um, that other question, I, Catherine, I, this is just going to sound horrible. I've, I've, I'm, I'm charmed. I'm charmed. I'm oh. in a good stage. I'm in a good season. I'm enjoying. My kids are faithful. My wife still puts up with me. Uh, I still love this church. The church still lets me preach. Uh, I, um, 
I don't have any major health issues. I, I'm, I've got some. I've got an aneurysm that I have to keep an eye on, but it doesn't slow me down much. Okay. I had one of those. I had it removed. but I went Did to, you? I did. I had it coiled. It was a bad one. Well. But I'm here. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, mine's pretty big, but 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 my dear friend is my cardiologist, and he checks on me every so often. So can, can I just say thank you, Lord? As you're asking me that question. Oh my gosh. Yes. Yes, you can. And that answer just touches me so deeply. I'm the charmed one. Catherine Wolf is charmed by those words. Catherine, thank you so much for letting me be on your program. Oh gosh. What a a blessing this is for me. Thank you. I truly am charmed. I mean that. Great word choice. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. All the very, very best. Oh, you too. Thank you so much, Max. Thank you for joining us on the Good Heart Story Podcast. To learn more about what we are doing, follow us on Instagram at Hope Heals. Check out all things Hope Heals at HopeHeals.com. Don't forget to subscribe to this wherever you get podcasts. And please feel free to share this episode with somebody who needs to hear it. Good Heart Story Podcast is a production of Good Heart Story, LLC. It is produced by Leah Case and Mary Austin Hall. And I am your fearless and fabulous host, Catherine Wolf. Come back and join us every week where we believe that the good story and the hard story can be the very same story. We are with you and for you, friends.